0: Oh, it's that time again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the podcast that informs, challenges, and inspires. It's real talk from real people about real things. And it's the show, even though it's called Mr. Speaker Speaks, it's where the guests themselves really get to speak and you learn a lot about them, but you can learn more about me at Edwards.com, or you can join the online community at vincentondemand.com. You know, I always say life, it's all about purpose And, and we can help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision because do you know your purpose? Are you living your purpose? Today's show is brought to you in part by program success your source for professional news and information. This magazine spotlights the success of individuals who excelled in their arenas of expertise and they inspire, encourage and enhance the lives of others. More information is available at program success.net program success. The name says it all. You know, we live in a litigious society. People just want to sue for anything. Do you have an attorney at your disposal? You know, if not, you ought to check out MrSpeaker.com, MRSPKR.com, com, M-R-S-P-K-R. There you can find out how you can get affordable legal access to a network of nationwide attorneys to help you with all your needs. That's MrSPKR.com. You know, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. Have you ever considered that? My guest today is, you know, On this show, we only interview world-renowned people, so uh, the (laughs) world-renowned Ben Preston. We're going to talk to him today, and he's going to talk to us about young professionals and how they can be successful and do things in their career, how you can achieve success and reach that pinnacle of greatness. We're going to find out about that From Benjamin Preston. But here, dear Lord, we just thank you once again for another opportunity. We don't take it lightly, Lord, because we know. Death and life is in the power of the tongue and our words can inspire or they can kill. And on this show, we speak to inspire. So let this show be beneficial, inspirational to help those who will listen all around the world. And once again, Lord, please bless my guest. Be with Benjamin. Open up doors of opportunity for him. Bless him in all of his endeavors. Oh, just blow his mind with the things that you're going to do for him. And God, I ask as an intercessor, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The inspirational verse of scripture today comes from the book of Joshua, Joshua 1 and 8. And it states, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Good success. And we're going to find out about how you can have good success today from Benjamin Preston. He is from North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He received his MBA there. He is an award winning business consultant and career strategist. He consults with businesses to support initiatives in marketing, business strategy, operations, employee development, and human resources. He also offers one on one coaching for young professionals to uncover their unique strengths and passions for an exciting career. And I'm going to stop right there. Ben, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks. How you doing, my friend?
1: Doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to have you, man. And, you know, I I didn't mention this, but you also say you're an adventurer. You go on these adventurous things.
1: I, yeah, so it's been, COVID's been interesting because, like, I haven't been able to travel. And my last vacation right before the pandemic was to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, like, I love, I don't know, I, I, my goal is to travel the world and, like, to hit every country if I can. But I, there's something about just, like, getting yourself out of your comfort zone and just expanding through experiences and things like that. So, yeah, I love, I love adventures.
0: All right. So what's the most adventurous thing you've done to date that you can talk about?
1: <laughs> um, well, I had, so I, I took a trip to uh, Peru to do Machu Picchu. And of course we were going, and I'm like someone who's very, I don't like to plan things. I let other people plan things for me. And there, I had a group of friends that were going and they were all hikers and they're like, yeah, we're going to do this like full day hike. So apparently there's like, you can go on the Incan trail and it's like 18 hours or something ridiculous of like hiking. And yeah, so we did that. I thought I was going to die. And then by the time I got to Machu Picchu, we, it was probably, like, 5 p.m. Like, it was, like, beautiful, complete, clear, like, we perfect for pictures and everything. And then we got to the hotel, and I was, like, just absolutely the sickest I've ever been, was just vomiting for 12 hours straight. They had to call in a doctor to my room to, like, do an IV because I had a stomach infection, like, that was by far the most memorable vacation or bit like adventure I've ever been on just from start to finish, just one of the worst experiences, but also one of the best experiences right. I've ever had.
0: So what was one of the most dangerous ones you've been on?
1: It's a good question. I don't know if I've done, I haven't, I don't, I don't like to put myself in dangerous situations often. I want to go swimming with sharks at some point in South Africa. Like that's
0: definitely something I want to do with the great whites.
1: Yeah. Cause they have the cage. So I'm like, oh. I, it has to be,
0: there has to
1: be just like the chum in the water type of thing. Yeah.
0: Wow. You are a bold man, a bold man. So why is it that you choose to work with young professionals and define young professional?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of view young professionals as people who are starting out, whether they have a university degree or not. I think one of the reasons that I, so yeah, young professionals in terms of age is like anybody who hasn't had a ton of experience working and is still trying to figure stuff out. So like potentially 23 to like 28 range. But also people fresh out of high school, like I get people calling me or emailing me for questions all like of any kind of age range. So I think it's more of the pain point of not knowing what to do and kind of being stuck or feeling like you're behind like that sort of idea. Uh, But the reason that I started working with young professionals was because I was not far or am not far off of being part of that young, uh, young professional kind of age range. And when I was coming through and kind of growing up and being like, I don't know, what I want to do, where I want to go, who I want to be. But then you watch like people like Oprah Winfrey and I love, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the stuff that she's doing. I love any, any like inspirational motivational speaker. Like I'm here for it, but they're so far in their career and they're so passionate about what they're doing. It's hard to watch people at that level, and then have them say, just follow your dreams. And then as as someone on the receiving end of it, you're like, give me tips. I don't know what that means. (laughs) So for me, I figured it out the hard way. And for me, I was I was wanted to look back and just say, I have the tools and tricks that got me through to the point where I am right now. And I want to just give that back because I, I went through it. And I know how tough it is, especially since the world is becoming more and more diverse in terms of like your options and stuff, the traditional roadmap of get a go to university, get a job, retire, like that roadmap isn't necessarily the same for everyone these days. So for me, I just wanted to kind of give that back from what I learned.
0: What is the one thing that you learned that you would say, if I would have known this, it would have made a world of difference?
1: Yes. Um, wh- I think the biggest thing for me is this idea of passion and purpose, which I, I'm loving this podcast too, because that's you're literally talking to people about that exact topic. Um, for me, at least the realization that I came to is I was raised to believe that there was one capital P, passion, capital P, purpose, like your overarching golden goose egg thing that you needed to aspire to, which on the receiving end of it, you're always moving toward that and never actually getting there. Like that's, that was my perception of how I perceived passion and purpose. And I think the biggest thing that I learned is you're experiencing that every day, whether you acknowledge it or not. So it's similar to me, the way that I view it is it's similar to feeling hot and cold. Like the reason that you can experience cold is because the opposite of that is hot. And so the fact that those both exist and you can feel those in one moment or the other, I view that as the same thing as purpose where you can feel purposeful in one moment or a lack of purpose in another. And the problem with young professionals is they might get a glimpse of purpose for 15 minutes while they're working on something. And then the rest of the day, they just are chasing that feeling, but they're saying, I haven't felt purpose. And and then it turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy where all of a sudden they get spun up because they don't know what their purpose is, even though they lived it for 15 minutes that day. But the key is, and I think a lot of professionals figure this out, is Start sculpting your career around the things that excite you and you'll get closer and closer to that capital P passion, capital P purpose, and you'll find yourself there.
0: I, I totally agree. It's all about what do you do that makes you come alive? And when you experience that for the first time, it's like a drug and you go, you go chasing it, but you really have to, to lock down because a lot of things can fit around your purpose, and give you that high. But when you really know what it is, oh my goodness, it is truly powerful. When you look at young professionals, what's the one thing that they get wrong when they start out their career?
1: The biggest thing I think is thinking that you have to struggle in order to be successful. That to me, like it takes work and it takes effort and it takes energy. But I have had so many conversations with young professionals where the first job that they take out of college is something they know that they're going to hate. And they think of it as a foot in the door, or they think of it as like some sort of strategic career move. And there's some value in that, but for the most part, like people intentionally going into self-sacrifice to me is one of the worst things that you can possibly do because you, you will take a step into self-sacrifice thinking that someday you're going to be, you know, rewarded with this thing, whether or not that actually happens, but like, if you truly by so if you take that step, and you start sacrificing, you're just going to create a behavior pattern of self sacrifice, because you think that that's going to be the benefit for you, as opposed to thinking, what's going to be most exciting for me right now, what's going to be most purposeful for me right now? What are the things that I actually want to do? Like those are I think is that that's the biggest mistake is going into your career thinking that you need to struggle. And I think the reason that that's the case is because all of the successful people feel like they need to Give their worthiness to some sort of life struggle that they had when that's like you in order to be successful you don't have to struggle but somehow we reward people who struggle for whatever reason that is and i think that that kind of gets mis misinterpreted at the younger levels
0: so how would you clearly make a distinction between struggling and working and then how do you go about selecting that first job out of college i need income i need i need to to work my long-term goal is this, but I have to start somewhere. So how do yeah. you define the difference between working and getting better and struggling to get better?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an experience journey. Like it's something where you can, when you, so you take the first step out of school. If you're, if you are constantly telling yourself, I hate my job, I hate my job. This is the worst thing I've ever done or whatever. Like that mindset of feeling. So if you look at it from a percentage standpoint, you're feeling awful more percent of the time than you're feeling good. To me, that's struggle. If you can find parts of your job that you like, let's say 51% of your job you really, really love, that means you're moving in a direction that you can work with. If you're feeling 20% of the time that you're happy at your job and the rest of the time you hate it, to me, that's struggle. So anytime that you're looking at your career feeling just unmotivated, like, and the reason that I say that is because once you start down this path of struggle and Feeling like you need to justify your worthiness in order to be successful, that's you're hardwiring your brain to think that you have to constantly fight for the things that should just be coming easy to you anyway. Um, so, yeah. And I always think in terms of working hard, like I, I work hard all the time, but I don't view it as something that I hate doing. And a lot of people, a lot of times I get questions about motivation and like people are like, how do I motivate, motiv- motivate, myself to do stuff. And I'm like, it's the motivation and inspiration are the same things. The only difference is when you're inspired to do something, it's something that you want to do. And if you're motivated, like if you need to motivate yourself more times than not, to do something, that's not a good sign. Like, if you need to motivate yourself to work, to get up and go to work, that's not a good sign. However, if you feel inspired, work as hard as you can because that's going to be the stuff that pays off in the long run, but it's also going to give you that energy back so you can continue giving back and continue working on the things that you love doing.
0: True. When I look at the, the difference between those two things, motivation typically comes from external factors. It's like, oh, I'll give you a raise. OK, I'll do some more. You know, if you do this, I'll get that. It's almost like a, a quid pro quo. But from a inspirational standpoint, which means to breathe or to give life, it comes from within. And, the, and that whole concept of being inspired goes back to your why for me. Why are you doing this? But when I'm coming out of college, fresh out of college, you know, I'm, I'm a long ways removed from that. But, um, you know, what should you ask yourself um, when you are getting ready to start a career? Because everybody says, oh, get that college degree. And now I'm coming out, you know, I'm asking for six figures. Is that realistic? What should you ask yourself? How should I move in that direction?
1: Yeah, I think you always when you're first starting out, there's there's some. I'm going to use the word anxiety. That might be too strong of a word, but there's always some like fear of not figuring it out, fear of not getting it right. To me, I think of it as a dartboard. If you're throwing darts, the more that you throw or the more that you kind of put yourself out there, the closer that you're going to get to finding what you really want to do. So when it comes to a career, your first career out of college is probably going to be something that you really don't like. (laughs) I mean, if you, if you on paper, if you're reading through it and it gets you somewhat excited, let's say on a job description that's, I mean, you can get into the role and then realize, oh, I only like 5% of what I'm doing. But then you can take that and say, okay, what are the things that I want to move toward? What's the next dart I'm going to throw? What's the next dart I'm going to throw? And you just kind of keep experiencing it that way. I think the biggest thing that I can, the biggest piece of advice I can give people that are searching for jobs um, out of college is a lot of times people think that the solution to applying for jobs right out of the school is just applying everywhere. And while I feel like that's A strategy, I like to tell people to narrow it down to kind of what industry that you're looking at or what function. Like, think of the kind of create non negotiable filters in your head. Maybe there's three or four different things that are sort of your non negotiable. So, maybe location is something that you should be considering. Maybe salary range, if that's something that you need to be considering, that's part of the equation. But, or industry or function or um, any type of like level of engagement, if you want to be working with something super innovative, probably don't go into banking, like, there's just certain things where you kind of have to, to weigh what are your personal values, and then find an industry or a sector of business that aligns with that. And then you can kind of explore the career opportunities within it. Um, But that's usually the starting place that I point people to is like, come up with these non negotiable filters that you can kind of sift jobs through. So you're applying more intentionally, and you're not just applying to 500 jobs and not, and wondering why you didn't get a call back.
0: Do you view a job and a career differently?
1: Um, I use them interchangeably. I I think there is a distinction. I use them interchangeably. I view jobs. If someone were to say what's the difference between a career and a job, your career is the thing that's your entire journey from start to finish. Like that's your career. Um, and I think people have multiple, maybe multiple careers in one lifetime. So like, if you know I started off as a marketing and communications person, then I became a career coach. Like to me, those are two kind of different careers within my holistic career. And then I view jobs as more something that you're like a, a you know a one company that you're working at. That's your job. I also think the vernacular of it, job, kind of implies not fun <laughs> or like just like
0: just overbroke to to.
1: Right. like oh i was i you know worked the, the window at mcdonald's like that to me is a job not a career so yeah i think it kind of depends on on where you are and what type of stuff that you're doing too
0: wow you're listening to mr speaker speaks and we're talking today to ben preston an award-winning business consultant and he's here giving us advice for young professionals employers you know, they have choices that they have to make. Why should they hire youth over experience? And then what can they do to retain them?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of, um, well, (laughs) I think the reason that a lot of people hire entry level is because they don't want to pay anybody else to do the same job at a higher rate. But I think in terms of innovation, creativity, there's a lot of that that comes with youth, partially because they're inexperienced. And I had, I worked for a CEO once who said, he's like, when I look at a problem, I only see one solution because that's the experience that, that he's had. But he told me, he's like, the nice thing about being young is you see 50 solutions, probably only one of them will work, but you see all of the solutions because you haven't figured out what hasn't worked yet. And so I think that's really valuable for a lot of businesses because if they're doing something new, let's say like social media, There's a lot of technical aspects of that that you need to know, and that comes with experience. But there's also a lot of new ideas, a lot of kind of culture change that can happen with younger employees. Um, So in terms of like, when you're bringing people on, yes, you can hire them at a cheaper rate, which is a huge advantage. But there's also a lot of creativity that can come with that, too, if you're looking to, especially like now, pivot your business in a way that hasn't existed before, like that type of talent or that type of innovation is going to be extremely important. Um, And in terms of retention, I think the biggest thing is every employee, no matter what level you are, is looking for that dream job. Like everyone's looking for that dream job. And if you can can help them create their dream job within your organization, they aren't going to leave. And the way that most people would do that, at least from an organizational standpoint, you might hear that and say, I need to bend over backwards to accommodate this employee when really it just is a small change of figuring out what are their strengths, what are the things that they are good at not just a technical strength, but like, how do they work? What do they, what is the type of thing or type of relationship they like to have with their work and then create the workflows around those type of behaviors. And you'll see that they're not only performing a lot faster and a lot more at a higher capacity, but they're going to enjoy working and they're not going to want to look for another job.
0: Mm. It's all about the environment. One of the things I've learned in my many jobs that I've had throughout my career is that people don't leave positions or corporations, they leave stupid people. And so if you create that environment where leaders lead and teach and develop and, and make that environment conducive to learning, uh, you can retain employees. As a young professional, what are three things I can do to make myself more valuable to an employer?
1: Figuring out your strengths. I, I will double down on that 100% all the time every day figure out what you're good at and not just from a technical standpoint. So if it's social media, I'm just going to use social media again. If I'm a good social media strategist, that's fine. But like, what are the things that when you're looking at your strength portfolio, what are the things that you can sculpt around your career? So that's the strengths is the first thing. I think the second thing is approaching your work with humility. If you're looking, because the biggest thing, at least from a young professional standpoint, the biggest thing that is threatening to an organization or to a manager or whatever is the lack of humility. So if you come in with arrogance or whatever, they're not going to love that. Um, So learn how to be humble, especially, you know, in a context where you're working with executives and stuff. Um, And then the third thing Let's see. I had it in my head and and I was so invested in humility. I forgot what it was. Um, Yeah. I would. Yeah. Those are the two biggest ones that I might have a third one that I can think of later, but that was those, those are the two that I can think of right now. Oh, investing in soft skills. That's what it was. Soft skills. Investing in soft skills. Yeah. So things like communication. Oh, you mean I have to
0: have to talk instead of text?
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately. That's gonna have to be that's gonna have to be the new normal, yeah.
0: <laughs> I know because I mean, but it, you know, I've I've seen one of the things I, I joked about um, with the onset of technology. I say I I know we've really arrived when we're all in an interview or at a meeting and we say let the meeting begin and everybody takes out their phones and they start communicating <laughs> by phone and we're all sitting around the table, but soft skills yeah. are very very important. Em- Important. Very important. I I can't I can't stress that enough. And when we're talking about soft skills, outside of communication, what would be another one that they need to learn?
1: Yeah, I think so I always view soft skills as the things that you need to know in order to be mobile within your organization. So like if you're moving up or whatever, uh communications is always critical, but the other major one I always look at is influence. Are you able to actually and a lot of salespeople already do this naturally, they know what I'm talking about when I say that, but how are you able to when you're working with decision makers, how are you able to influence either the decision maker or the person who influences the decision maker to move your projects along? Because it, like, if you can figure out how to kind of get people on your side, it makes it a lot easier to carry through the momentum of whatever the project is or whatever you're trying to accomplish um, to get stuff done. So those, yeah, communications and influence, I think are really, really, really big ones.
0: Your book. Harness Your Butterflies, Young Professionals, Metamorphosis to an Exciting Career. What is that all about? I mean, you've got a lot of things in here. Metamorphosis. I mean, so that means I got to change. I'm I'm going through some things. Um, Talk to us. What are the top three things in that book that you want? Yeah. Yeah, top three things. And what do you want the reader to walk away with?
1: Yeah, I always always joke because I'm like, try saying it five times fast. Because even when I try saying it, sometimes I get caught up on it. Um, yeah, so the book is written, uh, basically as a toolkit or as a guide to help people kind of uncover their passion and purpose, work with their strengths, carry through. And it talks a lot about soft skills, like the importance of silence, the importance of influence, the importance of humility in terms of the top three things. I think people would take out of it. There's a huge kind of chunk of the book that's covered on passion and purpose and strengths, So I always view kind of career development as introspective first. Um, How, like, what do I need to do first to kind of change things? So that would be kind of the first category of stuff that I would categorize the book. People should take away how to find their strengths. Um, I talk a lot about different ways, different strategies for like motivation or figuring out how to get yourself revved up, because I think controlling your energy in a really positive way gives you a lot of that power and momentum back that otherwise you're constantly craving but can never find so there's a really good chunk of stuff about that and then i think the last major thing is just impact because at the end of the day like that's one of the things that people want that's why people become social media influencers because they want to have impact or they want to be famous or they want to whatever but i think the way that you approach impact and the way that you value impact in your own life i think is one of the other things that's really critically important in the book
0: all right. You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks and we're going to take a real quick break real quick to hear from one of our sponsors, T-Spark Enterprise.
1: Let me tell you what T-Spark stands for. It stands for strength, commitment, teamwork, and heart. We don't ever quit until we've got nothing left to give. Our team is unstoppable. Want a guaranteed win? Call T-Spark Enterprises for your next roofing or construction project. We conquer all peaks. T-Spark Construction.com. License number CCC 133-1204.
0: That's T Spark Enterprises. They do a good job. Full disclosure, they did my roof and oh, my roof looks great. So if you ever need a roofing project, contact T Spark Enterprises. Before we went to that quick break, we were talking about impact. Define for me the difference or clarify the difference between impact and an impression.
1: Yeah. So I think people view impact. And I don't know, like I, for whatever reason, I'm on a super counterculture thing today. I promise I'm not totally out of left field. But the way that people approach impact is they feel like in order to be impactful, they have to have the accolades from other people. Like they have to be like people pleased to have an impact. Um, And I always joke that like, if you're, if you had a conversation with your mother and she told you 10 different things to do, how inspired would you be to do those things? And that to me is the definition of impact. Like it's not about pleasing other people. It's about how you can take the stuff that you're excited about, the stuff that you're passionate about and apply it to the things that are important to you. And it's not about what other people are thinking about it. It's how you are applying your own passion and purpose into work. So to me, that's, that's the definition of impact um, for sure is like, using your personal power to, to accomplish or change the things that you're, are important to you.
0: Who is the one person in your life that made a big difference?
1: There have been so many. Um, I think my mom, I, I, I say that because I know that everyone's like their parents, but
0: hi mom. I,
1: I, <laughs> you know, I always think, I always think it's so interesting though, because like my, my mom was a cop, uh, and retired because she had breast cancer. But then, while she was kind of dealing with breast cancer, she was still like launching all these side businesses, doing all this really cool stuff. And as I look back, I w- like I would go with her to her her freelance stuff. So she was an interior designer. I would go with her like on Saturdays or Sundays and stuff. And she would you know do her interior design stuff while we were with her, just because she had to babysit and stuff. So in my mind, that's it's always super interesting to see the level that people will go to feel passion and feel fulfillment. And to me, when I think about that, it's just so cool because if you're, if you love what you do, even if you're dealing with cancer, you're still going to be doing it. Like it just blows my mind. So I always think about that every now and then just when I'm doing my own stuff, I'm like, I don't have any health issues. Like I'm feeling fine and I still get to wake up and do the stuff that I love. And I get a lot of that, Kind of the, the the framing of that from my mom, where it's like it doesn't really matter what you're going through; you can still be satisfied right now where you are.
0: Being where you are right now and looking back, what is the greatest challenge that you had to overcome?
1: Mm, uh, I think fear, and I still deal with this all the time because I think people are scared of a bunch of different things. Like I remember not too long ago, probably like a year and a half ago. So I also have like a YouTube channel, and I like just. In general, putting myself out there in a way that I'd never done before. So even like having podcast interviews, putting out videos, putting out content, I was so, so scared of being judged by other people for whatever reason. I mean, and half the time, I I don't actually interact with the people who are consuming content on the other side. So, you know, people might love me, they might hate me, I would have no way of knowing but I think I, when I first was creating content, I was so scared of what other people were thinking about me. And I was like, no, this is still stuff that I love to do. This is still stuff that I'm passionate about. And I believe the stuff that we're, you know, the stuff that we're talking about right now, like I'm still passionate about it, whether people agree with me or not. Um, But yeah, I think that was the biggest looking back. That was the biggest thing that I think was like, just the looking back and saying, okay, the fear of, of, being judged was the biggest thing.
0: What did you learn in your childhood days that helps you now to help other people?
1: Um, I think how to communicate. Cause I was always, I was, I'm a middle child. So <laughs> I was definitely like my older sister was definitely like the person that was causing a ruckus. And my, my younger sister was the one who was always getting the attention. So for me, I kind of had to, learn how to be, learn how to be my own person and come up with my own kind of platform as a, as a child, <laughs> like, Oh, here's this really cool thing I did. Or, you know, if I'm talking with different people, I feel like learning how to communicate for me was something I learned on really early on that, that carried through because <laughs> wow. I had to, I felt like it was part of my childhood. I was, I was constantly ignored. So I was like, I need to figure out how to communicate with people.
0: So you made a lot of friends, huh?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So did you participate in any extracurricular activities growing up? I mean, sports, chess, yeah, soccer. I,
1: yeah, I, I was not very good at soccer. I don't like running personally. <laughs> so the whole running around on a soccer field, not really my thing. I loved playing basketball. So I'm 6'4". Um, so basketball was like my thing. Like that was, yeah. And then my, my sister, both my sisters played volleyball. Um, So I was always like their volleyball partner. So, yeah, between basketball and volleyball, those were kind of like my major my major things, my major extracurriculars. I did a film club at one point and I don't know anything about film, but I was in it and I learned not that much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I often hear that sports teaches life's lessons. When you look at all the basketball games that you've played in, all the shots that you missed, all the shots that you blocked, and all the game winners that you hit, what lesson from basketball transfers over to what you do now to help other people?
1: Yes. So, did, have you John Wooden, um, who was the coach at UCLA and they won eight national, you know, uh, yeah, won, it, yeah UCLA,
0: so, yeah. So,
1: yeah. So I. W- after I was coach, or uh, after when I was done playing basketball, I actually coached basketball when I was in college um, for just a high school team. It wasn't anything extreme, but I was coaching uh, part of, you know, the freshman group or whatever. And I, and I remember buying John Wooden's book cause I thought, okay, this guy obviously knows basketball, whatever his biggest. So this was like part of me, like trying to be a coach and a player and figuring out stuff. I, he had a quote in there that I will never forget. And it was, when the players, when the, when the team wins, like if they win the game, that's on the players. If they lose, that's on the coach. And to me, that was like the biggest thing, because I think what a lot of leaders do, I'm going to put leaders in quotes, a lot of leaders, if they, if something goes wrong, or if they don't hit a benchmark, or if they, you know, something fails, they immediately will point to a team, a, a team member or some part of the process and say, that's the reason we didn't do well, when really... <laughs> when John Wooden and he, I mean, this guy's been super successful leading teams and he knows how leadership works. His thing was you, as the coach, you are the, or as the leader, or, you know, the team leader, you are the person at the end of the day who's responsible for getting the thing across the, the, the goal line. If your team loses, that's because you did a bad job coaching, not because they did a the job bad job playing. And if they win, that's on them because they're going above and beyond to accomplish the goal that you all set out to do as a team. So, I, to me, that's the that's the thing that I always love living my leadership um, kind of practice by because it you you own the accountability, and at the end of the day, like you're you are there to make sure that your team succeeds, and if they do succeed, that's you need to give them that credit.
0: So, is that one of the things that you go into organizations to teach?
1: I think. Uh, I don't always go in and teach that, but it's definitely a red flag if that's not the behavior. Because I think it's really easy to spot, especially within organizations who are struggling. if if, If you're talking to the leadership team and they're saying, well, this employee is the reason that this went bad and this process is the reason this went bad and this thing is this reason. Like as the leader, as the person running the ship, like, or, you know, as the captain of the ship, you have the power to change that. And the fact that you haven't, means that you didn't think that it was a problem until after the fact. So I don't normally tell people that because they don't like to hear that they're the reason that things aren't working, <laughs> but you have to kind of, if, if, if that's the approach that they're taking and they're pushing the accountability off of themselves, it's a huge red flag for me just to say, hey, clearly you are not self-aware enough to know that you are the reason that this isn't working. Even if they did the best that they could as an individual contributor, they still have the power to make the changes that they're complaining about. And they haven't done that. So it's to me, I don't necessarily go in and tell organizations that, but it's, it's definitely something that I look for.
0: So it's all about self-awareness before you can lead. You have to be able to lead yourself and you have to be willing to own up to things and take responsibility and accountability. That's what I've learned over my career. Talk to us about what we could find at Benjaminpreston.com. What's there on that site?
1: Yes. Um, so I have my book information on there. I also just launched a training that's a career roadmap. Um, so if people are interested, if they're, you know, are feeling stuck or there's young professionals in their lives that are just really struggling to figure out kind of what the next steps are and how they figure, what are the tools that they need? Um, I have a free training on there. So that's basically, I, I have a lot of really cool content, uh, like weekly blogs and stuff on there too, just about leadership and career development, but, that's uh, the career hub is all the stuff that's on my website.
0: Yeah. And what he's just talking about is that career roadmap for living your purpose today. I like that. And you said it's a free training. How long yep. is it? Is it about a couple hours? 20 minutes. Tw- oh, 20 yeah, it's, minutes. It's 20 minutes. Yep. So it walks through um, from
1: start to finish. So it's kind of like an addition onto the book because the book covers Uh, A lot of really cool, um, obviously like different, I think there's 18 chapters and each chapter focuses on a different aspect of business. So one of them is strength finders. One of them is weaknesses. One of them is, you know, all these other things. But the training itself gives you the start to finish. What is the new way of thinking about career development and what are the things that you need to pay attention to? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think from start to finish, I think it's 25 minutes long, 24 minutes.
0: Okay. So give me your two minute spiel. Who is it? What are you all about? Why should I hire you as an individual coach or bring you in to speak to my organization and help take us to the next level?
1: Yeah. Um, So I help professional, just from a professional standpoint, I help professionals uncover their purpose so that they can get clarity on their professional goals and then use their strengths to get momentum, to move them forward in their career. So that's my spiel for, or my spiel for professionals, for organizations, your biggest asset that you're underutilizing is your employee base, um, and that's the thing that I know the best. So, if you're looking to optimize your team, if you're looking to inspire your team to get them uh, to do take take your organization to the next level, um, would be happy to work with you and figure that out.
0: So, define success because I know on your website you say that a lot of people find success, but they're not happy. So, what is success, and how can I have my cake and eat it too. Success and happiness.
1: Yeah. I think um, from a superficial standpoint, people view success as fame, money, job title. Like kind of the, the the superficial things that you can look at and say, wow, you're the CEO of such and such company. But if you don't feel satisfied, you don't feel fulfilled. To me, that's not success. Uh, so success to me is feel whatever Um, you are moving yourself into, regardless of your title, regardless of how much you make, regardless of where you live, if you can wake up and actually feel fulfilled in the stuff that you're doing, then you're successful, then you're being successful. And that success will only amplify the more that you find opportunities, the more that you create the career that you want. Um, That's how I view success.
0: With so many different trainers, speakers, uh, speakers, consultants out there, and people can select, you know, just Google and, millions of people come up. What is the distinct advantage that you give to your clients?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there, I have had conversations with different coaches and stuff, and I think everyone's in it for the right thing. I think no matter who you go to, you're going to have a good experience. For me, my approach is I focus on introspection first. So I, if someone comes to me and they say, oh, I'm trying to get this job somewhere I'm like, you can probably hire someone else to review your resume. That's not necessarily what I am about. My thing is if you are looking, if you feel stuck, you feel uncertain and you wanna transform your career to be to have that excitement, to have that fulfillment, that's the approach that I take is introspection first and then figure out the momentum and then carry it through to the rest of your career. So it starts from the inside out. Um, and sometimes people don't like to hear that because they're just like, well, just give me the tools, give me the tips. And I'm like, well, you have to start with yourself before you can make that impact in other places.
0: What do you think is the biggest reason people don't want to look at themselves and look internally?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think people have been trained to do that. And I think a lot of times if you're at least, and I'm just going to say this from like an American culture standpoint, we oftentimes speak without thinking. Like I had, so I worked for a native American um, economic development company and I had the privilege of meeting with some of their elders just in, like, you know, having conversations. And I would pose a question, and there was always a 10 to 15, you know, sort of second pause where they were thinking of the response that they wanted to have because they realized that the way, and this kind of goes back to the beginning when when you had that scripture passage too, what you say matters and the way that you say it and the way that it comes across is extremely important. And I think the reason that people don't want to look at themselves is because they ha- they would have to first stop talking and then they'd have to work their way backwards and say, how do I feel about this? So if you're saying, you know, if someone said, uh, I feel stuck in my career and I'm like, well, what are you doing that's keeping you stuck? I think people like to say it's this thing, this thing, it's this thing when they don't have the skills or the, you know, the, the um the knowledge or experience to say, Oh, I can deconstruct why I feel this way because they're just so used to jumping to conclusions and being outraged or whatever without saying, okay, let me actually take a step back and process this. Um, at least to me, that's, that's one of the things that I've found.
0: And time is going by quickly here. This is a great (laughs) interview. I'm having a, a, a great time. Can you talk to us or share? I mean, I know you have about five questions that you should ask, um, before you go job hunting. Can you share those with us?
1: Yeah. Um, so the first one is what are the things, what are the types of industry? And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, um, in terms of like when people are looking for jobs, what are the types of things that you should ask? So I always look at it from the filters, like what are the filters that you need to set up? Um, so the first one is industry. The first one is sector or the, the second one is sector. So when you're looking at industry, it might be, do I want to work in technology? Do I want to work in finance? Do I want to work in Government, like you, there's a lot of variations in terms of uh, the movement of how those roles work in terms of like mobility, things like that. So industry is extremely important. And then sector is if you're looking at a specific uh, like region or let's say in finance, if there's a subset, maybe you want to work in investing is very different than banking. Um, So those are some different things that you can look at. The hierarchy of the organization which sometimes you won't be able to see that from the outside but if you're in the interview process you can ask that so like is the organization super hierarchical is it a flat organizational structure um that's always something really important to ask uh does the mobility look like within either either within the industry or within the specific organization are you seeing that a lot of people are getting hired from the outside to work for the top, or are they hiring people within? Um, Those are things that you probably could ask when you're in the interview as well. And then the last thing is when you're applying for jobs, there's sometimes there's sometimes where you come across a job that just absolutely lights you up and you get super excited about it, but you apply and they never call you back. The other thing that when you look, when you find those types of jobs, pull out the stuff that's exciting to you and apply those to the job search that you're looking for. So if you're looking through a job and you see that its autonomy is one of the things that really lights you up, and you said, "I would love to have the freedom to create and do all this really cool stuff," um, then try to find that type of commentary or or uh, kind of copy in the different job descriptions as you're applying. So those are kind of the quick the quick five
0: things quick five. Wow. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks and my guest, the world renowned Benjamin Preston talking to the young professionals today about success, things that they need to do, man. I'm going to give you the final word here with all that you do, um, your book, the consulting, what is it that you want the listening audience to know about you, about what you do, how you can help them and how they can contact you? What do you want them to know?
1: Yeah, Um, my, if you're interested in creating, if you feel stuck, if you feel uncertain and you want to just create a career that's exciting and fulfilling, um, I would seriously recommend checking out the the free training that I have. I have a book, I have a program, um, all of that type of stuff to say, don't feel like you're stuck in your career because your career is completely ownable and you can change it today. Um, so I just want to leave it with that in terms of getting in contact with me, Benjamin Um, everything's listed there. So my email, everything is on there. So and you're
0: going to get in touch, the books available everywhere.
1: Yep. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Apple books, all the places that you get
0: books. (laughs) All right. All right, man. I want to thank you for being a great guest. And I have one final question for you. I mean, you're dealing with the young professionals. You're young yourself, looking sharp, looking good. As we said in the military, (laughs) standing tall and looking good ought to be in Hollywood. What matters most to you, Ben?
1: Um, having fun. I think having fun and just enjoying life, I think, is the biggest the biggest thing for me.
0: The biggest thing. So you're off on another adventure, hopefully soon. Since
1: hopefully <laughs> soon. Yep, hopefully soon.
0: All right. Well, you've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest has been the world-renowned, oh, my goodness, Benjamin Preston. And we've been talking about young professionals and what they can do to be successful and please visit his website at benjaminpreston.com benjaminpreston.com and hey i would love to have you back when you write your second book uh just let me know reach out to me it's been great it's really been real and i've learned a lot and you've truly informed challenged and inspired the listening audience on today and that's what we do right here on mr speaker speaks so my friend be blessed in all that you do
1: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. All right. We're wrapping it up. We're taking it home. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that informs challenges and inspires. Remember Vincent Edwards.com. And it's all about purpose. And you heard it also from Ben. He talked about that purpose, man. Check out the career roadmap for living your purpose today, because Mr. Speaker always says it's all about purpose. Do you know yours? Are you living it? Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone.